Welcome to another edition of Lens Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. So pre-COVID last year, we booked some travel to the Bahamas. And if you've been listening for any point of the 77 episodes, I brought this up last year, and you probably knew that already. But if you didn't, I wanted to kind of give you some backstory here. So we tried to uh, book this travel through the Bahamas, and I, and I did a package through Costco Travel because I thought that was a good idea. I'd save a little bit of money, and everything you know worked out uh, okay. The trip was booked, and I did save a lot of money. But the problem is that when you do book a trip like this, packages are not a they're, – they're a bad idea in general because you're locked in with that one company. And if the trip gets canceled, which of course it did, so you only get back the money for the hotel and the resort fee because the airline in their infinite wisdom, which was American Airlines, holds the credit for the airline. So you, what happens is when you put your credit card in, any, any of those sites that you use, you wind up where the airfare is one, one part and the other thing is one part, the hotel and everything. And they actually take that money out and pay the airline with that money. So American Airlines had my money and, and they, they said that I could use it by December 31st of 2021, which is coming up. But that wasn't the biggest problem. Now, Costco travel is the problem because it doesn't just book airlines. So now I need to come up with a, with a package that will work with the airline part of that package. So it's just the credit for the airfare and, and things didn't work out. So the example would be if I had $1,000 credit on the airfare, I would put that towards the trip. Let's say the trip cost 1000 but I would only get the portion for the airfare, which would have been about, let's say, $650 or $700. So I still have 250 to use, which I wouldn't use. I'd probably... Uh, it would probably just get eaten up. And then you still have to pay $300 to Costco travel. So with American not really flying direct anywhere I wanted to go right now, I figured I was running out of time anyway. So at this point, I didn't want to lose all my money. So I called them up and asked them, what about getting the cash back? I know that's that's tough for people to understand, but get the cash back might be the best thing for me. So she told me, and when you know, when I talked to her, she said that you know, American Airlines would issue the money back to me, but of course it would be less the wonderful two hundred dollar change fee per ticket. So that's four hundred bucks. So not only did American have my money for more than a year, which they probably earned a little bit of interest on, I would think, but now they get to just pocket four hundred dollars for doing nothing just doesn't seem very fair but this is how they work and you know they make more money and nickel and diming you on fees and they probably do off the actual ticket it's it's everything in life when you have these convenience fees and all these other fees it's not convenient for anybody on this but at least i got back some of the money and i, I learned an important lesson in this you know book individual with the airline and the hotel separately this way you could use what you need. Now, all these websites, Expedia and all of them that come out, Travalgo, you, you can use them and they're great when you use them. Hotels.com, it, it, it's a great site and you can save a little bit of money, but just be careful because you wind up in my situation where you can only use part of it and then you get some credit back and it's just a nightmare. So change fees and convenience fees are never for the customer. This is the way for the companies to add more money to their profit and just continue to Screw the man, basically what it is. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. He is the voice of reason, 
He is my good friend. He's making his second appearance. He last appeared back May 23rd, episode 7, up in the air. It seems like a decade ago. Please welcome the veteran broadcaster, Mike Haggerty, from wonderful Yonkers, New York. Hello, sir, and welcome. <laughs> well, the, the voice of reason, I don't know if that has ever been applied to me, but uh, uh, okay, I'll take it. Thank you. Well, that's what I called you last time. I figured I'd keep it in the tradition <laughs> that you're the, the, the voice of reason. But it, okay. it, I appreciate you coming on again, and I, my apologies that uh, you've had to wait uh, longer than most to uh, come back on again. And it was not an in, in, indictment of your last performance. It's just this is there's no rhyme or reason for the amount of the people when they come on there. I don't have in my head. Oh, I have to have them on for this. It just, you know, we, we just I'm, do I'm like, I guess I'm kind of like the magician on Johnny Carson that gets bumped because uh, Frank Sinatra and Don Rickles are on. So the magician doesn't get to get on. And yeah. And, 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 and the reason you're on today is because somebody bumped. So that's why you're on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you that, know what? You know I love you, but I want to. is my game. <laughs> yeah, you know I love you, but I want to see other people. You know what I'm saying? It's a way, way, <laughs> the way it works. But what are your oh, thoughts you... on this whole? I lost 400 bucks. I could have lost a lot more. I just feel like I understand American Airlines' point of view that a change. They basically told me that I could use this, and it was my fault, I guess, because I couldn't find a trip that works. So I guess that's on me, but $400 just seems a little, little much. And for them to keep my money a year, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I should have known better. Yeah. And you said something that I never actually thought about, but should have that they've held on to your money for a year. And what is being done with that money? Are they generating interest from that? And that's, I feel like now that you've brought that up, that's something that somebody should look into. Uh, I'm not the traveler that you are, and especially since the pandemic, uh, well, maybe now people are starting to travel a little more, but during the pandemic, no one was pretty much going anywhere, even leaving their house for that matter. Um, but as far as travel, yeah, what you also what you said, which, which got my attention and made me kind of smile a little bit, is saying you were hoping to get some sort of uh, uh, compensation or get a refund. And in the times that I've dealt with the airlines or the travel industry, a refund is just unheard of. They'll save it as a credit towards something else, yeah. which I guess is fair. But again, I go back to you brought up what is being done with our money when they are holding on yeah. to it. That's it it's, it's over a year. And what's interesting is this. So this I didn't tell this part of the story. So I'm getting the money back. But because it was more than six months ago, they can't just put it back on your credit card. They've got to issue you a check. And you know how hard it is to write a check these days. Apparently, uh, even companies don't want to do it. So Costco Travel has to issue me a check which should be coming, uh, I guess, you know, the old saying, uh, the check's in the mail, right? That's, that's, uh, which I doubt I'm even going to get. We'll see. We'll see if it, it comes to fruition. But the moral of the story, boys and girls, is just to um, these package deals look really good, but they're good if you use the trip. If you decide something happens and you want to cancel the trip, or in this case, it wasn't my choice, right? Uh, you couldn't go to the Bahamas last year. It was not allowed. So no. I had to cancel it and then you only get part of the money back. Right. And it was a good, it was a good chunk of change. And we're not talking about, and to take $400 off, I thought that was, um, I thought that was a little bit much, but I guess, see, I would have liked, and again, this is me dreaming again. We can dream on this, right? I would have liked Costco travel to say, look, when, you know, you're a good customer, you bought, booked this, you know, you got screwed American Airlines screwed you, but I'm going to send you a hundred dollar gift card or something but right. that wasn't even a that wasn't even a, you know that, that wasn't even thought up 
It's like companies go out of their way to not give you good customer service, which is another episode that I had uh, talked about bad customer service. I think that that's really, and it's not anything against the woman that was on the phone. She was very pleasant. She called me back and said, look, you know, we can't issue your credit on the credit card. You're going to get a check. So she was nice, but at the same token, wouldn't it have been nice to come up with a solution? I think the biggest problem in society today is we do not, we do not offer a solution to the problem. We just say, this is what it is. If you said, you know, look, American Airlines is going to issue you a $400 cancellation fee, but we're going to, we're going to make that up. You're, you're going to get a $400 gift card the next time you want to use Costco travel. Like what would that have, I mean, would that have cost them anything? I mean, yeah, $400, but it, it's just, this is why no one does that kind of stuff, right? I mean, they just, they get into an argument with you on the phone. They, they're not going to do it. I got to talk to my manager. It's like, there's so much BS. It, it's just, it's amazing. I don't understand why we can't just, this is what happened. We're sorry. You didn't use the trip. Boom. It was like, no one was going to contact me, right? They were just going to keep my money basically. Right. And, and one thing that companies always do, and you just pointed out, is that you're on the phone with a customer service rep who's got no dog in that particular fight and probably just some nice person that they're not personally taking your money. But you you can't realistically get mad at them, even though people do. But so that kind of it's almost like a, a buffer, like they're not dealing with you directly. And who do you talk to? It's this huge, nameless, faceless corporation. And you're talking to uh, just some poor person who's answering phones trying to make a living and they've got no issue with this they've no dog in that fight like i said and and here you are dealing with that situation and you want to get mad and you want to vent but if you're a rational person you know you can't really get mad at them and often myself in that situation i've said to the person i said look i know it's not your fault but you know sometimes you're just so upset you gotta you know you have to let it out but uh, it's these these corporations are are really cowardly in in that sense, and that you can't get you can't talk to the person you really want to talk to. You know, if I have a problem with Amazon, I want to talk to Jeff Bezos, but that's not going to happen. No, <laughs> he wouldn't take your call anyway. Um, not anymore. No, 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 not anymore. He's not going to take your call. But it's interesting because the the things have been happening to me over the you know I've talked about this. Um, that back order has been a really big problem, right? But it's like they don't want to tell you that it's on back order. You have to find out because it doesn't come, right? It says they're going to come in two days and it doesn't come. So then you have to call, right? It would have been nice if they said, you know what? You know, this is the situation. It's on back order. Would you like to continue with the order? Or they don't even give you that option anymore. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for my grill part that was uh, on back order, uh, back since June. So it's November, I think. And then I ordered a jacket for my motorcycle and that was another back order. And I go back and it seems every time I go back to the Indian dealership, it gets worse. It, it It's like now December, I'm going to get this jacket, which again, they took my credit card. They took my money. I had to pay the bill already and I still don't have the jacket. So it's like, where's the, where's the jacket? Like where that, that kind of stuff would be nice if they said, look, you know, um, we have this on back order, but we're going to do this for you. Or we're going to do, nobody wants to do anything for you. And I think it's worse now, even you would think with the pandemic that it would have gotten better. It's actually getting worse with companies. You mean customer service yes. in general? Yes. I think it's just, 
you know, it's kind of uh, that the interesting thing is, you know, you would think that people would get better. It's the same with like these these credit card companies now. Uh, they don't just look at at the credit history with with them anymore. Have you noticed that lately? They'll they'll start looking at your credit for everything. And if you have right. a balance on one of their other accounts and you have another, they, they don't care that you've made the payments anymore on time. It's not even part of the, it's like they, they look at everything. Oh, well, you're, you, you started looking for credit. We're going to close one of your accounts. It's like, it, it's become worse now. And I get it. They're probably getting screwed um, more because people aren't paying now, I would think, but right. I don't know. I, I just find it interesting just to, to screw people that actually pay their bills. It's just makes makes no sense but you know well, we went off on yeah, a tangent the, the, no, and, and i agree the the credit score the, the credit industry is I, I i think someone needs to look into that as well because i pay my bills and i i i maintain a minimum level of debt probably a normal amount of debt that any average american would and my credit score is basically a laughing emoji at this point yeah. and i don't understand why well and the same thing happens to me you know you you make every payment and then you you, you see the score go down for some reason, but it doesn't ever really go back up to the way it goes down. And it's it, to me, I look at it as legalized mafia. It's what it is. It's just basically um, they they give you a certain interest rate, right? And they're charging you. The only thing they're not doing is breaking your legs. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to if you don't pay. They, it's actually been proven that credit card companies do charge higher rates than loan sharks do. Yeah, exactly. They don't, <laughs> with the exception of the VIG. They don't. They don't give you the vig. But, <laughs> yeah. but speaking of the vig, we'll we'll get into now uh, the new Sopranos movie, the prequel, appeared or uh, it premiered on October the first, and I have not seen it yet. Have you? Have you seen it yet? Did you uh, watch it? Uh, no. And and like a lot of of guys, uh, I do enjoy my mafia movies and, and TV shows, and I, I watched the Sopranos, and I, I had a little bit of experience with the Sopranos, as you know. Um, but uh, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm going to wait and see what the reviews are on this one. Um, I've had a few friends already review. The few that uh, one of my good friends who was on, Brian Pitts, we did a mob episode and we talked about it. He's been uh, asking me to watch it. Uh, unfortunately, today is not a good day, so I'm not going to watch it. But I'm going to probably watch it next week if I can. But he was saying that it's good. But but like I brought up in the episode with him, it leaves you wanting more. And I don't like that. I, I, I wish it it was not just a one-time movie that it became a prequel series would have been a lot better for me. That, that's the kind of thing that I'm hearing. So um, it's kind of nice. I mean, Michael Gandolfini does look like um, a young Tony Soprano, right? He's, he's the son of James Gandolfini who passed away, unfortunately. And it's, um, it's going back with Dickie Maltesante and, you know, the father of Christopher, right? So Christopher's, uh, you know, uh, part of that as well. So I, I, I think it's a great concept. I just wish it wasn't just one movie and then you got to wait and then hopefully, you know, they, they, you know, Chase does a new one and does a series. I don't know why he wouldn't have done a, a prequel series, right? That, that to me would have been better. Yeah, too. And, and, and to a, a larger point, um, what is it with Hollywood and all these prequels and sequels? Doesn't anyone, as much as I'm excited potentially about a Sopranos movie, how about an original idea? Well, and and instead of making more Star Wars movies, which in my opinion they were done badly, why not come up with a new concept? Where where are today's uh, directors like Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg or what have you that will just give us new entertainment instead of 
rehashing, even if it's done in a good way. But why rehash old stuff? And yes, it can be done in a good way. And for all I know, this new Sopranos movie may be very entertaining. I haven't seen it. I haven't heard a lot about it. But where are the new ideas? Well, I would like to say that they're sitting there percolating, but I, I would say that since I've seen some of these movies that have come out recently, there is no good ideas anymore. <laughs> they're just they're just doing whatever, whatever they're doing. But here's getting to your point, though. I don't know if you saw there was a meme out um, this week I saw it on Facebook and it was a young Archie Bunker and a young Edith Bunker and they write where they sing in the piano. You know, those were the days in the beginning. They showed the young one and somebody came up with a great idea that they would watch uh, a prequel series of a young, kind of like young Sheldon, right? right? It would be young, young Archie Bunker. How, how would that go over <laughs> in this day and age? Young Archie Bunker. Well, yeah, that that's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, I, I think that All, All in the Family is probably one of the most misunderstood shows in, in television history in that uh, many people don't realize that the joke was actually on Archie. And people always say, and they've been saying this since the 80s, actually, that a show like All in the Family couldn't be made today because it's not PC. But in a way, regardless of how you feel about PC culture, All in the Family raised some questions, raised, it brought a point of view and, and probably maybe arguably the first time that that was ever brought to, to family entertainment to a television show because Archie was the butt of the joke. Archie, Archie was, was a bigot and he was racist, but they also somehow managed to make him likable, I guess. But the point was that it was showing this shining this light on, on this aspect of society and an aspect that has never gone away. And but would people, and, and I'm sure that you've, you've talked, I know you've talked about this before, but how easily people are offended. But maybe this is an example where people need to be offended yeah. in order to just get this out. Maybe we need to have these uncomfortable conversations One, about whatever, regardless yeah. of where you are on the political spectrum. One thing that you brought up about All in the Family and the reason why it was very successful, and you mentioned about the, the butt of the jokes, right, being an Archie, but it was a teaching moment and i think we miss the teaching moments nowadays it's just immediate anger and nobody learns from it it's just anger and done it's just, you know i bring this up and 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 it's not uh in anything but i think if it would be nice if if somebody said something bad okay that somebody would say to them look this is the reason why we're upset at it and direct that to a conversation so that the next time it might not happen again. And that's the thing that what Archie that, that, that did. You always said you had Mike Stivick and you had a, you had both sides going at it. If you ever watch Bill Maher now, Bill Maher kind of is 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 doing that a little bit because he's he's picking on even his own group because he's like, hey, you can't have it both ways. Just like I I said earlier, you know, you can't be angry and then do something um, that is exactly the same thing as what you're angry about to someone else. You know, right. and, and that's the kind of thing you might not, you know, um, like something that somebody does, but then you go and do the exact same thing. So I think that's where we have more issues. And of course, we're getting a little too serious here on lens burning <laughs> bush. But but that's kind of what what I think you're trying to say, too. The, to sum up, it, it's it's hypocrisy. Yeah, it is. Well, speaking of hypocrisy, well, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll kind of sway uh, in and I'm going to get back to the Sopranos for a second and and. Um, it's not really hypocrisy. It's kind of a lousy segue. But 
I think that I don't know if you knew this, but uh, you saw the movie Goodfellas, right? I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. All right, good. I'm glad you did because if you didn't, I would I would unfriend you right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the movie Goodfellas featured Ray Liotta, right? And and apparently there's been a rumor mill that has that has come on that Liotta was offered the lead role of Tony Soprano, and he turned it down. He explained in an interview with The Guardian that he was approached by David Chase to play um, a different character, uh, but, you know, he said that uh, there was uh, a reason why he didn't want to do it. It was like a two-year commitment, I think he said, and he already did Goodfellas, and he said that he just didn't want to be in that um, the mob scene again, you know, do another mob movie or mob thing. He said it was a, it's definitely a genre I'm familiar with, of course, he's from New Jersey. It would have been, you know, given a chance to play it. But, uh, you know, I just find it interesting. Ray Liotta as Tony Soprano. I kind of like Gandolfini in the role. What are your thoughts if, if Liotta had done it? Well, I mean, that that's the what if game, right? I mean, we like we all heard that how many people auditioned for Star Wars and like Christopher Walken auditioned for Star Wars as Han Solo. And what would that have been like? It's it's fun to play the speculation game. Um, you know, if, if I could just uh, digress here for a sec. And yeah. um, I, I actually have a James Gandolfini story. And um, this is one that I don't know if I've ever told you, but when I was, okay, here, let me be that guy. I'm going to mention that I was an extra on an episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> you, you, were, you were that guy, the famous I'm, Mike Haggerty. I'm not being the, that guy. All right? You know, there's I'm, another Mike Haggerty as well, right? So you had a yeah, but yeah, exactly. He, he yeah. spells his name wrong. Though. Yeah. All right. Good. It has to be two G's. Otherwise, don't trust them ever. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll sit back and listen to this one. This is good. Okay. I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna be really, really uh, a schmuck right now. But uh, when I was an extra on on the Sopranos episode, I was, uh, you know, when you're when you're on a TV or or a movie show, it's 99% just waiting around, waiting for them to set up the lights and whatnot. So while I was waiting around, James Gandolfini, I now know, was filming a, a love scene with a woman, a famous actress. And so after that, we broke for lunch and he was on a different part of the set. So I'm standing in front of the cafeteria and he's walking towards me, talking to the director. And I noticed that his pants are down and he's pulling them off, pulling them up and putting his pants on. But he's in his boxers. And in my mind, I'm going, holy crap, that's James Gandolfini in his underwear walking towards me. And I will give him the utmost credit because he did something that I had never seen before or since. He actually ate lunch with the rest of us in the cafeteria. Most of the stars would be in their trailers or what have you. But James Gandolfini was just there with us with the rest of the grunts, uh, being a very down-to-earth guy, just eating whatever food was in the cafeteria or, or, or the food tray or what have you. And um, I, I found that immensely uh, commendable. And uh, he, he earned a lot of my respect that day for, for doing that, for just eating with us, with us grunts uh, like that. So, and I was very sorry to hear he passed obviously a few years ago, but yeah, that's, that's my James Gandolfini story. So that is a great story. And, and, you know, it's funny, this is two weeks in a row. We have a story because Sarah, who was on last week, talked about meeting James Gandolfini at a bar, um, Hogs and Heifers, uh, and the bar where they threw the bras up on the top. It was the, scene from coyote ugly right the sure. movies right so apparently they were playing pool and james gandolfini wanted to join in and they knew who he was but they didn't make a big deal of it and they just played pool with the guy and then he just went on and it was it was kind of nice i, I, I guess when you be you know when you're a, a star like that that uh, sometimes you want to hobnob with the goober smoochers on the other side right <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's nice to, when you hear about stars who are, who are down to earth. And I, my my impression of him, and I never actually met him, but my impression of him was that he was a very down to earth guy. Well, you know, the late James Gandolfini, uh, may his memory be for a blessing, because he certainly has come up a lot in the last couple of weeks, and and for good reason. I mean, his work on The Sopranos is probably as good as it gets, and he's also been in other movies, Get Shorty. Um, he was good in that as well. There's a lot of movies that he's he's been in, but uh, The Sopranos, of course. Uh, if you're going to be known for something, that's a great legacy, and now his son is following in the, in those footsteps with the new uh, prequel movie. Um, so hopefully uh, that's a good movie and we can uh, see it, but uh, unfortunately I did not see it yet. We will probably get to see it soon. So I don't know if – are you one of those people, Mike, that, that still mail things, or do you just do everything online? Are you a, are you, do you actually write your bills out and, and write a check, or do you just do it everything online? Believe it or not, there's a couple. Uh, probably 80% we do online, but maybe like 20% we, we do with a, with a hard check and, and put a stamp on it. Wow. So you're still putting a stamp on. Well, if you do, you better start putting a little extra. Because apparently um, mail delivery is about to get what we call slower, if it can be possibly slower. It's going to be slower and more expensive. So they've already set up uh, the post beginning Friday, which past Friday, the Postal Service is starting to implement new standard service discounts for first-class mail and periodicals, slowing its target delivery by about 30%. So kind of interesting there. They're going to have a single... A piece of first-class mail traveling in the same region is still going to have the two-day delivery, but most other stuff will be a little bit later. So it's going to take you longer to get stuff. The post office is uh, having some issues, obviously, because nobody's mailing stuff, Mike, and you're you're one of their few customers again. Because I don't I don't think I can remember the last time I put a stamp on anything. Well, it, it's interesting because this actually is sort of a topic that not this direct topic, but, but just. Uh, let's just say that I have some familiarity with, with government work. And when you meet people who work in these government agencies, uh, especially lifers have been in there and they don't understand, there's not a concept of when business is down that we might be in trouble. In other words, uh, we know that, that transit around the country has taken a hit since the pandemic. And in many cases, especially in the height of the pandemic, transit ridership was down like 70, 80%. But these transit lines are still in business. Now, name another business that can lose 70 to 80 percent of their customer base and still remain in business. Right. It's not going it to happen. happen. Not in the private sector. It doesn't happen. Um, so for the post office, and I know they're an easy target to hate. And believe me, their customer service has been abominable since since Fred Flintstone still first walked out <laughs> of a cave. But <laughs> um let, let's call them an unnecessary, I won't say evil, but a necessary burden. As much as I hate standing online in the post office and wish they would just open up another freaking line, they don't. But at the same token, the, the post office, I think started by Benjamin Franklin, it, it is a very important aspect of our society, even in the, in the digital age. Um, so I, let's say I have a love hate for the post office and as far as government sector uh, industries, uh, the, the folks who are involved in them, uh, you don't know how good you have it sometimes. And that's not that doesn't apply across the board, but in some cases they don't know how good they have it. And um, 
let's just I'll boil it down to I just have a love hate for the post office. Well, I can understand that. And one of the things I've always kind of it was it's been interesting for me to understand uh, with the post office and the way it was set up. How in the world did they allow UPS and FedEx to just come in and just destroy them when it comes to overnight delivery? It just amazes me how that I mean, they, you know, they were doing the, this long before. And yet. FedEx and UPS, we'd rather spend $20 to mail something because we know it's going to get there, right? And what you just said is is sort of the reason why I do not believe in government conspiracies anymore. Because if you've ever seen government in action, I'm amazed they can even order coffee together, yeah. let alone plot to kill JFK or fake a moon landing or whatever you believe they did. I've seen these people in action. It's amazing they can even find their parking spots. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I I don't believe in government conspiracies anymore. And I probably never will again because I think, it, yeah, like you said, uh, UPS, uh, FedEx, they all pretty much, they handed the post office their lunch. And this is a government agency. And, and if you, for folks who think the government is this all-imposing, all-encompassing, big monolithic monster, yeah, or maybe it is, but it's an incompetent monster. I, I, I just, I, 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 that's why once I saw the, some of the workings of how government works, I'm like, yeah, Oswald did it. That's pretty much, I just came to that conclusion that moment. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we landed on the moon. Oswald did it. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Too, you can't give them that much credit for actually coming up you're, with that. You're giving them way too much credit. So you seem like a, a person that, uh, Knows a lot of stuff. Do you, do you watch Jeopardy like I do? I, I enjoy Jeopardy. Um, do you watch? Uh, a yeah, bit? yeah. When when my schedule allows, my schedule. I, I work evenings a lot, but uh, when my schedule allows, I do watch it. Yes, I actually record it and then watch it at another another time. Can I ask you? I, I know I'm not sure if I'm going to say her name right, but that actress Mayim Mayim Bialik, Bialik yeah, from Big and Bang. who's the other? There's two people who are, who are hosting it now, right? Well, uh, they they got rid of Mike Richards because he right. that was the whole the scandal that was coming out around. He was the executive producer that gave himself the job. And then, uh, yeah, that was kind of nice. And then Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings are going to fill the rest that's, of the year. That's, okay. Um, they're going to fill the rest of the year. And I was actually going to bring that up about, you know, basically Mayim Bialik has basically said, you know, hey, I'm just trying to read the clues. You know, just let me be. I mean, people are, you know, giving her crap uh, or at least talking to her. James Corden, you know, had an interview and she said she's trying to do her best job here. And it's a tough situation because you got John Oliver on one side taking aim at the new host and his rant on late, late last uh, week tonight. It, it's been a nightmare. The whole, you know, Jeopardy, you know, hiring, you know, again, Mike Richards, if he would have just stepped back and not picked himself, he probably would have still had a job. But that's kind of the, the what, what happens. You bring up uh, this. There's a lot of people that could have been people wanted LeVar Burton and everybody wanted different people. But I think Mayim does a good job. She's, she's very... You know, she's a neuroscientist, so obviously she knows what she's talking about. She's not just the former Blossom and also uh, on Big <laughs> Big Bang Theory, right? She's, she's you know, uh, very educated. And now she's got what, Call Me Cat, I guess, is uh, the other show that she's on, which I don't watch, by the way. Um, but, yeah, she she had to step in after Mike Richards quit, uh, which he was asked to quit. He's, it's like Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of, you know. <laughs> Boy, this, you dated yeah. yourself on that one. Oh, right? I know. I know. The oh, odd couple. Yeah. 
seriously dated yourself on that one. Okay. That was November 13th, right? November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself. Right? Sounds like you should be on Jeopardy. There you go. Well, that's I, my father-in-law says that all the time. And the problem is that yes and no. I do not. I I would have to. I would have to go read about a thousand books to at least come up with some of this literature stuff that they they constantly um, have literature and stuff with the reading. And I never was a big reader, so I think that's where I would fall very short. Well, kind of the point of Jeopardy is to have a, a broad range of knowledge. It's not just science, arts, literature. It's everything. It's pop culture. It's it's actually, you can say arguably Jeopardy is probably trivial pursuit to the next level. Uh, so, it, it you know, it's often been said that intelligence is maybe compartmentalized. In other words, that you might be a brilliant neuroscientist, but you have no idea how to change your oil or put gas in your car. And these contestants on Jeopardy, I give them credit because in order to be successful in Jeopardy, you can't just be intelligent in one aspect. You have to know everything. So, yeah, I, I don't even know how you would prepare for Jeopardy. Uh, yeah, it's, well, <laughs> you, you'd have to read a lot. And again, it's, it, 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 you know, and stuff. And I do have a lot of useless information in my head. Trust me. And I'm a very good guesser as well. So it does help. Um, but, you know, again, I can answer the questions in my living room. That doesn't mean I'm you know, going to be on the show. Now, Wheel of Fortune, I could definitely do because these people on there are utter. I mean, sometimes you watch them. It's like, buy a vowel. Like, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> Can you, you know, you look at it and, and you see the words up there and they don't pick the letter that they should pick, right? You just, you start yelling at them on, uh, on the thing, but that's, that's an interesting show. But yeah, I, I, I watch Wheel of Fortune uh, with uh, uh, friends sometimes. And uh, my one friend is, is particularly good at it and he's always a step ahead of me and playing with him. I just, I get more frustrated than a porcupine in a bubble bath. It's just, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, that's interesting. You know, I think a lot of these game shows though, today are they never really adjusted for inflation. And what I mean by that is if you go back and, and I don't know if you have the buzzer channel or some of the game show network, or you'll see the old match game on with the, which is a funny show. Gene uh, Rayburn. Yeah. Gene Rayburn and Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley and Richard Dawson, all of that. But you watch those shows and they gave away like 5,000 and $10,000, which is really the equivalent of probably like, $75,000 today or 60,000, whatever the number is. And then you watch wheel of fortune and they got a $39,000 thing on the wheel. And you're like, that's it. I mean, can you, can you be any cheaper? It's the same with jeopardy. Like, you know, they give away, um, to one person, right? Whatever that is. Uh, so 70,000, even if the guy wins, you know, like Matamodio or whoever wins a million dollars. I mean, that is like a, you know, an ad campaign for them. They, they don't care. <laughs> When it comes to that, they're they're not giving away anything, and, and then the the winner gets to keep the money, but the loser only gets two thousand and second and a thousand. It's the same with Wheel of Fortune. They do get they do get to keep their money that they win that day. Right. But if you watch the the total number of dollars that are given out in a, in a single, I mean, they literally could give away a hundred thousand dollars every day, and they don't. They don't even come close to that. Well, you know, what's what's the exception to that rule? Who wants to be a millionaire? Well, correct, but that's it's a misconception, though, if you think about it, because not many people actually won the million. And then it no, won. theoretically, yeah. So, the, but theoretically, they could be giving away a million dollars every episode. But they knew that wasn't going to happen, and they also buy insurance for that too. They buy prize insurance, which 
is another story for another episode. But yeah, the, it, I think we're just like a lot of things, the price of uh, or the, the wages haven't gone up. The same thing with with this. If you watch those old 70s game shows and you'll see the amount of money, like the $25,000 pyramid, and they gave away 25000 And in 1978, $25,000 was a huge amount of money, which mm-hmm. it, it's, an, it's an, a good amount of money today, but it was even much better. You know, you think about the, the wage scale back in, the, in 1978. So, again, I digress. And we can talk about this all day, Michael Haggerty, but, you know, I'm sure people would not want, would probably turned off by now. But you can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook, at Lens Burning Bush. I've got a page on there. We've also got a Twitter account, at Lens Burning Bush, where, of course, there's just some great Twitter uh, things, and you'll see everything on there. YouTube channel, uh, Lenny L1015. It's uh, just search Len Harvey and Lens Burning Bush. we got to get some more subscribers, Mike, so, so please uh, like, comment, subscribe, whatever, on YouTube as well, because the episodes, the audio portion appears on YouTube as well. And you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. You can even ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush. We're on uh, Stitcher, Pandora. I don't think you can find a spot that doesn't have Lens Burning Bush, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, it's a pleasure talking to you as always, Michael Haggerty, and I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, absolutely, Lenny. It was my absolute pleasure. This is my favorite podcast. And I, I'm a loyal listener, and I I hope to be on again at some point in the future. Uh, maybe do a trilogy. Yes, <laughs> it's a three for Haggerty. It's a it's a triple triple play for Mike Haggerty here on Lens Burning Bush. And thank you for listening. Of course, it's the only podcast that you listen to, so I like that. I'm right up there with the top. Uh, <laughs> the only podcast that you do listen to. I love it. I love it. It's the only podcast that I do. So there you go. That that's what it is. Well, thanks, Mike Haggerty. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Lens Burning Bush next week. So long.